Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today uh, online, at your home, uh, as you're jogging or listening to the podcast, YouTube, however it is you're joining in. I am so thankful uh, that you are with us today. And uh, we're officially in the Christmas season, so Merry Christmas. Uh, so uh, a couple years ago for Christmas, uh, my mom bought a bunch of 3D, like, glass things. Uh, so I don't know if you've seen these or not. I tried to find some, and actually I couldn't find any at the store, so maybe if any of you have any, but they, they're like, kind of like normal 3D glasses where like if you picked up like one set, there was like red lenses, so you saw everything red, and uh, then you picked up another one, it had like blue lenses or green lenses, but then they also have like a shape embedded in them, and so like this one has candy canes, I don't know if you can see or not, uh, another one, to, like, when you look through, there's like candy canes all over the place. Uh, and then you look through like another set, and there's like snowmen everywhere. And you look through another set, and there's Christmas trees everywhere. And the idea was that you could have multiple people all wearing different glasses, and they all could be looking at the exact same thing, but based off of the different glasses that they were wearing, they would see it very differently. Uh, and that's the way that it works a lot of times in the world in which we live. Sometimes uh, multiple people can be looking at the exact same scenario, but based off of maybe their age, uh, based off of where they grew up, uh, based off of maybe the color of their skin, based off of the TV shows they watch, uh, maybe especially based off of which news network they watch, they could be looking at the exact same circumstance, but the way in which they view it is very, very different because of the different lenses in which they see the world. And I'll give you a, uh, a stupid example of this. Uh, a couple years ago, uh, a friend was going to come over to the house, and we were going to make dinner. And so I told him, I was like, hey, I'm really excited that you're going to come over. Uh, I'm planning on grilling out, and we're going to barbecue pork chops. And, and I could tell, like, they were trying to be polite, but, like, obviously the look on their face, like, they were not excited about this. So I was like, right, what's up? Like, do you not like grilled food? You know, do you not like pork chops? And they're like, no, nah, I just— I really don't. Like, I, I, I really don't like any kind of grilled meat, and I especially don't like pork chops. And all love to vegetarians that are watching. We totally love you, totally respect, like, your, your opinion. Uh, but, like, for me, like, I, I love grilled food. I love barbecue food. I, I really love pork chops. And so it's like, how is it that you can't like this? You know, like, you're not a vegetarian. It's like, why is it that you don't like this? And drill down a little bit and found out that growing up, uh, their parents didn't grill out much, but whenever they did, they weren't really good at it. And so they would always like way, way, way overcook everything that they had ever, ever grilled. And so the only meat that they had ever had was like this dry, leathery, you know, just like way overdone, burnt meat. And I was like, well, I, yeah, like, of course, like, if you're looking at it through that lens, of course you wouldn't like it. But here's what I want you to do. If you would be willing to come over to the house and just try to have an open mind, try to take off those old lenses that your parents gave you about how terrible meat is, and try to see it from a new perspective, I believe I can change your opinion. Uh, and that's hopefully what we want to do today for some of you. When it comes to the way in which maybe you view church, maybe in the way that you view Jesus, and the way in which you view Christmas. Uh, so here's our uh, question uh, for today. Is what do you think about when you think about God? Uh, think about it this way. If uh, you're at home later on this afternoon, and uh, you hear, you know, a knock at the door, and, and 
you look outside and you know, just kind of suspend reality for a second, but you knock, you hear a knock at the door and you realize, hey, God's at the door. Uh, w- w- what's your thought? Is your first thought like, oh, that's awesome. Like, I, I, I was hoping God would stop. Hey, yeah, come on in, God. And like, man, COVID guidelines, I'm sure you don't have COVID. You're fine. Come on in. And, well, let's hang out. I, well, let's just, I, I've been so excited to want to talk to you and spend time with you. And like, I just like, I am so, so glad you're here. Uh, or is your thought, okay, I mean, that's, that's fine that God's here. I, I know I'm supposed to be okay with this, but like, you know, honestly, I'm probably not going to tell God this, but like, I kind of had plans for the day, and like, I, God wasn't really involved in the, they're not like bad plans, I just, I just, I feel like if God's here, I'm going to have to like, spend the rest of my day just like, doing like, churchy, you know, boring spiritual stuff, and like, I kind of had other plans for the day. Uh, or maybe your thought if God comes is like, oh shoot, like, I just stay here for a second. We gotta like, we gotta hide these in the closet, and we gotta turn this off, and uh, we gotta like, you know, put some things in order around here, because I don't want God to really see how I live. Uh, and we all have different lenses in which we see God. Uh, is the lens in which you see God one that you're excited about God? It, it, are you excited to follow God? And do you think that God likes you? And all of us have these different ways in which we see God. Uh, I want to give a, a couple different ways in which I have seen different people that, like, this is like what they, when they think about God, here's kind of w- some of the things that they think about when they think about God. So uh, some people, when they think about God, uh, they view it through the lens of what I call policeman God. Uh, so the way this works for me is uh, every once in a while I'm driving, and uh, I, actually, this happened to me yesterday. Uh, I was driving uh, uh, down the Northway, and I was driving, and all of a sudden, like, went past, like, this grove of trees, and I, once I got past the trees, I could see that there was a cop car hiding behind the trees, and I, I had no idea that the cop car was there, and then all of a sudden, like, you see the cop car, and you're like, <gasps> you know, and like, you kind of freak out for a second, and then you immediately look down at the speedometer, and if you look down at the speedometer, and you're going the speed limit, you're like, Whew, okay, everything's all right. It's going to be okay. And if you look down at the speedometer and you're speeding, you're like, oh no, you slam on the brakes and you like hope that they, you know, that they didn't see you or hopefully you hit the brakes quick enough uh, and hopefully they're not going to come get you because your idea is that what they're out to do is to find out if you're doing anything wrong and if you're doing anything wrong, they're going to catch you and they're going to punish you. So in this view of God, how God feels about you is very dependent on how you're behaving. So if you've been behaving pretty well, if you've been listening, if you've been, you know, treating the people around you nicely, if you've been avoiding that thing that maybe you struggle with, you know, maybe you gave some money away on Monday, on Giving Tuesday, you're like, okay, yeah, if God finds me, I think he's going to like me because I've been behaving pretty well. But if I haven't been behaving pretty well, if I've lost my cool, if I've, you know, said some things, did some things I shouldn't have done, if I've re-engaged in that habit, if I've backslid, then all of a sudden, like, I, I don't really want God to be near me because, like, I feel like he's not going to like me based off of what he finds, and he's going to get me in trouble. Uh, another uh, view of God is what I call a uh, pop-this-pill God. I don't know if that's the best way to say it, but it, it's the idea that every once in a while, like, there's, like, a circumstance in my life, and, like, I, I, 
I'm not sure how to handle this, you know, so I got a problem at work, and, you know, or I got a health problem, you know, well, what's going to get me through this, or, you know, I'm driving, I can't find a parking space, you know, where in the world am I going to park, and so I'm just going to, like, pray and use God, and God's kind of sitting up there as like a magical genie or something, and he's going to be like, oh, okay, you know, and whenever I have a problem, God can step in and try to fix that problem for me. Uh, The problem is, is what happens if I need God to do something for me, and I pray about it, and then God doesn't do it? Uh, I start wondering, like, okay, like, wait, did, did I do it wrong? You know, like, maybe I got to pray longer, and then, like, he'll, you know, you make me uh, fix the situation for me. Uh, you know, maybe it's because I didn't write, re- read my Bible enough this past week. Maybe I didn't pray enough this past week. Oh, it's, it's because I missed church two weeks ago. That's why. So as long as I, like, follow the instructions perfectly, then and only then will God fix things that I want him to fix. Uh, and that's another way to see God. Uh, another way— uh, to see God. It's kind of the, the not rational God. Uh, and that's the idea that, I mean, we look and we see like all these amazing things that are in our world, you know. We see the creation of our world, and you know, we you know, see you know, that, uh, all the things in nature and all the amazing things that are happening that just seem, you know, outstanding. And there's the idea that like somehow God made it happen, but there's a, a lens in which some people view God that if God created our world, or if God healed someone and made them well, he must have somehow done it in a way that, like, is way beyond science, way beyond history, way beyond any kind of rational explanation. Because if you show that somehow this thing happened, and there's a logical scientific explanation, then somehow then that must not have been God, because God only works in non-rational, non-scientific ways. And maybe it's that proving how God did it, proving the science behind it, proving the math behind it, proving the history behind it, maybe that's just exactly how God works in his created order. Uh, another way uh, that people view God is the, uh, it's called the, the bodyguard God. And this is a little bit like the pop the pill, but it's a little bit different because this God, he is meant to try to make sure that we are protected, to make sure that bad things don't happen to us, to make sure that we're, we live as comfortable of a life as possible, uh, and that, you know, we're not going to get sick, that, that, you know, the family around us isn't going to get hurt, and God is going to always do whatever he can to protect us. Um, but again, the problem is, is what happens if you're not protected? Uh, what if something bad does happen to you? Uh, terrible story. Uh, there was a, a church I used to work at, and there was a, a family in the church, and uh, one of their sons got killed by a drunk driver, just a you know, horrible accident. And some of the church people gathered around in their house, and they were praying for him, you know, trying to comfort them. Uh, but there were some folks in, in the living room with them that day who had this view of God, that, that God's job is that he is supposed to protect you and make sure the bad things don't happen to you. And so if God didn't protect you, then somehow it must be that you didn't do something right. And so these people, I'm sure well-intentioned, got around this family that had just lost their son, and they asked them this question. They said, oh, did you forget to pray for him this morning? Because if you do the right things, as long as you pay the bodyguard, as long as you, you know, are following the right orders, then God will protect you. And that's the lens in which they view God. Uh, Another lens uh, that you can view God is the Morgan Freeman God. And I don't even really know uh, what that is, but I guess it's just like another way in which you can uh, view God. Uh, But the point is, 
is that we all have these different ways in which we view God. And these are incredibly important. Uh, there's a, a fancy name for these lenses in which we view God. Uh, it's called theology. Uh, and, and theology is simply, w- w- what do you think God is like? What do you think about when you think about God? And every person that's probably ever lived has some sort of a theology about what they believe God is like, whether they believe that God is real or not. And if God is real, then how would he act? How would he respond? Uh, what is the way in which we view God? And our theology really, really matters. Because our theology, what, based off what your theology is, that will depend on, you know, do you like going to church or do you not like going to church? Do you feel like church is something that you're supposed to do or is church something that you get to do? Uh, do you enjoy praying? Do you enjoy reading your Bible? Are you excited to talk about the Jesus part of Christmas? Uh, are you excited to tell other friends and neighbors about, about God and invite them to come and know about Him more? Uh, how you read the Bible? What your theology is matters a whole, whole bunch. And what I have found in my life is that I know a lot of friends and family members that are not quite sure about the whole God thing, and some of them, maybe they used to follow God, and then now they've walked away, or they're thinking about walking away, or uh, they have been introduced to the idea of God or church, but they're just, they're just not sure about it. And oftentimes what I find is when I drill down and find out, okay, why is it, you know, that you don't like pork chops, you know? Why is it that you don't like God? It's because they have somehow believed or been taught or caught some idea of God, a theology of God that is not really who God is. Uh, There's a great quote from uh, uh, an author uh, I love. It says, many of us have been left stranded with an incoherent concept of God. I can go to the next one. Uh, We learned about God about the same time as we were told about Santa Claus. A lot of us were told about it as kids. But while our understanding of the Santa Claus phenomena evolved and matured, our theology remained somewhat infantile. Not surprisingly, when we attained intellectual maturity, many of us rejected the God that we had inherited and denied that he even existed. And so, to start, I want to give you permission today. If you have a version of God that maybe you have thought about uh, walking away from and denying and saying that it doesn't even exist. Uh, or maybe you have a friend or a family member. Uh, or maybe you have a neighbor, and as you've been in discussions about what God is like, you find out that they are maybe denying that there is a God that even exists. It could be that the God that they are wanting to get rid of doesn't actually exist, is not actually real, is not really who God is like. And it would be totally okay to take that set of lenses off and throw them in the trash because that's not who God is. But then that raises the question. If policeman God, if Papa Pill God, if uh, Morgan Freeman God, if those aren't really what God is like, then who is God really like? What is God really like? Uh, And here is what uh, we're going to talk about for the next few weeks of Christmas. Here's what God is really like, is God is really like Jesus. What the Bible says is that if you want to know what God is like, if you want to know how God will respond to certain situations, if you want to know what God thinks about you, 
If you want to know about what God thinks about really, really moral, righteous people, if you want to know what God thinks about people that are terrible, awful sinners, then what you need to do is you need to look at Jesus. And the reason we say that is because that's what Jesus said about himself. Uh, Jesus said that anyone who has seen me, you have seen the Father. If you've seen how I act, if you've seen how I treat people, if you see how I teach, then you have seen God. That's what God is all about. Here's how the Apostle Paul said it. He said, the Son is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what this big, powerful creator God, if you want to know what he is really, really like, then you have a perspective. You can look at Jesus. Because what Jesus is, what he was, what he said, what he does, and what he still does and says, that is who God is like. Uh, and we're going to look at that uh, for the next couple weeks, uh, looking through this lens of maybe one of the most popular uh, definitely one of the most famous scriptures in all of the Bible, John 3.16. Because in John 3.16, we get a great lens about who God is like. Uh, And it happens uh, in this conversation that Jesus had with a guy named Nicodemus. So it starts this way. It says, now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, and he came to Jesus at night. And so that's John 3.16 was like a random verse that was written. It was in the midst of this conversation that's happening at night between Jesus and this guy Nicodemus, who we find out is a Pharisee. And that's a big deal because that meant that Nicodemus was someone who had a very specific lens on what God was like. Uh, And here's what Nicodemus' lens on God was. He would believe that there's only one God, which would have been a pretty big deal uh, 2,000 years ago. Uh, That he didn't believe in the Greek pantheon of gods. He didn't believe, you know, all the Egyptian gods. He didn't believe in the the Greek god. Uh, He only believed in one God. That would have been a very specific lens. Uh, that God had a lot of rules. Uh, He would have been all about the Ten Commandments. He would have been all about the 613 other rules in the Jewish Bible. And he would have been about all these other rules that people like him as a religious leader had come up with as kind of safeguards to make sure you didn't even get close to breaking the other rules. He would have believed that God had a lot of rules that he wanted you to follow and that God was very angry and very disappointed because people had not been doing a good job of following all those rules. And so therefore, the problem is that there's all these sin and sinners. The reason why God is so angry is because of people like you, and people like you, and people like you, and all you people that keep sinning all the time, you're making God mad. And so therefore, the solution is for everyone just to stop. Just quit it. Everyone needs to stop all their sin. Stop thinking that. Stop doing that. Just work really hard, buckle down, and, you know, we're going to do whatever we can. And if we can all stop sinning, then if we are successful, God will bless us, uh, which means God will do good things for us, uh, which means uh, God will like us as policemen, God. Uh, that God will answer our prayers if we ask him, like Papa Pill God. God will uh, protect us, and God will do the things. If we can just stop all this sin, then we can get God to do what we want him to do. And Jesus now is going to give him a very new lens in which to view God. And for some of us, if we have questions about God, if we have concern, if, if there's a part of us that is considered maybe stepping away from the God that we were taught or caught as a youth, if there's a part of us that, like, we, we, we've considered the idea of becoming a Christian, but we're just not sure, then I think Jesus has a new lens that he wants to teach us of what God is like. And here's what it is. This is the beginning of John 16. Uh, that for God so loved the world. 
according to Jesus, what, what is God like? God loves the world. Uh, what does God think about other people? God loves the world. Uh, well, what is God up to? Like, what's God's big plan that he's working on in 2020 in the midst of COVID and all this stuff? God's plan is he wants to love the world. Uh, and just that short phrase, uh, God love the world, would have been a pretty shocking statement to Nicodemus for, uh, for two different reasons of uh, what he said. Uh, the first is that uh, when he said the word love there, uh, John had some choices. So uh, Jesus said this originally in Aramaic, and so we don't know exactly what word he used. But John, when he was recording what Jesus said, he had a couple different Greek words that he could use to describe. Here's what Jesus, as he was sitting there in Nicodemus and describing this lens of God and describing what love, how God loved us, he could have used the word for brotherly love, he could have used the word for family love, he could have used the word for enduring love, and those all would have been powerful. But instead, he jumped to this huge new high level that when God loves you, he loves you in an agape type way which means that God loves you in an unconditional, in a selfless, and in a reckless way. And I don't know if you've ever been loved in that kind of a way before. Uh, one of the things I think of is, uh, I think of uh, my dad and how he loves me. Uh, that my dad is one of the characters in my life that if he knocked on my door today, I would be ecstatic that he was there. I would be ecstatic that he traveled and we would very quickly welcome in our house and it wouldn't matter, you know, if our house was clean or whether it was dirty or what was going on. You know, whatever plans we had, we would cancel them. We would just be so excited to spend time with him and I know he would be excited to spend time with me. And that's a pretty amazing thing because my dad has lots of reasons that like we could have had a broken relationship. Uh, when I was 16 years old, uh, I, I, sorry, when I was 15 years old, uh, I had my uh, learner's permit. And so I grew up in Tampa, Florida. And so there you can learn how to drive when you're 15. You have a learner's permit, which means you can drive with people that are 18 or older, but you can't drive by yourself yet. And so I was 15 years old, had my learner's permit, and I had a couple friends staying over uh, for the night. And my parents were asleep, and we were all hanging out in my room. And it was like 3 in the morning. And we decided, it, you know what would be fun? Like, I, I mean, the car's in the garage. I have a learner's permit. I know how to drive. I mean, I can't legally drive, but like, I know how to drive. We should like totally go somewhere. So we all snuck through the house as quietly as we could, and we went into the garage, and we uh, unhitched the, the uh, chain from the motor. Uh, kids, don't listen to this, teenagers. Uh, we uh, unhitched the chain from the motor. That way we could like very slowly push the garage door up, and then we put the car in neutral, and we pushed the car out of the driveway, and then we pushed it down the road so no one would hear us start it, and then we got, we started it, and we drove around for an hour or so, and then we got to the end of the driveway, we turned the car back off, we pushed it back in the garage, we closed the garage door, we snuck back through the house, and we went in my room, and there in my room, I had a chair with my dad awake, sitting in the chair, and he was mad, and he was angry, and he was disappointed. But I never in that moment doubted that he still absolutely loved me. Uh, or later on in my life, uh, I was, I think, 18, 19 years old. And it was uh, the first Christmas while I was in college, you know, so kind of first Christmas being on my own as an adult. And uh, my parents made a new rule that year that we always did stockings as a family, uh, but it, my mom had kind of always just taken care of that, you know, so uh, Ray for mom's taking care of a bunch of the Christmas stuff. This is the first year that she made an announcement, I think at Thanksgiving, 
but this year we're all going to divide up and everyone's going to have a certain responsibility to buy stockings for someone in the family. And so I picked my dad. And I, I, I'm sure I heard it. I'm sure I acknowledged it in the moment. But then weeks went by, you know, finishing up college, and I just forgot. And so Christmas morning, we all woke up, and everyone's, you know, getting their presents ready, and everyone's holding stockings full of presents, except for my dad. My dad is holding a completely empty stocking, because I forgot. I forgot to buy him one single present. And I know he was sad, and I know he was disappointed, but I never doubted in that moment that he absolutely loved me. And I could tell many, many stories about times that I have angered or disappointed my dad or not done the things that I know he wanted me to do, most that I would never tell from this stage or in front of the camera. But I never doubted that he loved me. And my dad's level of unconditional, selfless, reckless love is like minuscule in comparison to how God loves each of us. And Jesus sat in front of Nicodemus. He said, I want to give you, your perception is that people have to get their act together for God to like you and to bless you and, and to love you. And I'm telling you that God loves in a very different way. Uh, and then the second thing that would have blown him away is who God loves, is that he loves the whole world. And again, the, the Greek word he would have used is cosmos, uh, which means that God doesn't just love like a few people. Uh, God doesn't love just like a region of people. Because uh, Nicodemus' idea would have been that God loves, like, especially the Jewish people. And he really loves the Jewish people that are following all the rules and doing all the right things. And if you're a regular churchgoer, if you're reading your Bible, if you're praying, then of course God loves you. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said God loves the whole world. Which would have meant to Nicodemus back then that God also loves Romans and Gentiles and tax collectors and Samaritans and sinners. In our day, it means that God loves Republicans and Democrats. And God loves all of your family, including them. And God loves all your neighbors, including that one. Uh, it means that God loves people who doubt. God loves people who lose their temper and say things and do things that they regret and they wish they could take back those 10 seconds. God loves people that are addicted. God loves people that are greedy. God loves people with checkered sexual past. God loves everybody. Uh, again, when, when I was in college uh, one Christmas season, I, I worked uh, across the street from my parents' house. There was a florist, and uh, during the wintertime, they would sell Christmas trees. And so I, I uh, worked uh, while I was home from college selling Christmas trees. And the guy who owned the place was a guy named Jim. And, and every night, Jim would come and talk to me. And uh, he found out I was uh, training to be a pastor. I was in seminary. And so he would just every night he would just like spill out his life to me and he would always be drinking this big tall glass of clear liquid and he's like yeah i like to drink water at night but it smelled a lot more like vodka than it, than it smelled like water and so he'd just be sitting there you know getting drunker and drunker every night you know just spilling out his life to me about how he had blown it with his kids and uh, a, a couple different uh, affairs and you know wrecked marriages and just so much of just the mistakes he had made in his life and so our uh, my parents' house in the church that my dad, the pastor, I was literally across the street. And so I would invite Jim. I was like, Jim, you should like totally come to church with me this Sunday. And uh, one of the Sundays I was even preaching. I was like, you should totally come and hear me preach. And he would always say the same thing. He'd say, I can't come to that church because if I come, the walls will fall down. Because he somehow had this lens of God that who God was, was that God doesn't like him. God is not pleased with him. 
that, that God can't possibly love somebody like him because of the things that he had done in his life. And God couldn't possibly welcome somebody like that into the church because of the things that he had done. And that lens that Jim had was wrong. And maybe the lens that you have, that you've been taught, that you've caught, is wrong. And God wants to teach us a new lens to who God is, is that God loves the world. You want to know why Jesus came at Christmas 2,000 years ago? It's because he loves the world. If you want to know why Jesus taught all the amazing and difficult things and encourages, the, encourages us to live this new way of living, it's because he loves the world. And if you want to know why Jesus died on the cross, it's because he loves the world. Uh, we're going to take communion in a, a second. Uh, and if you're at home, you can grab whatever kind of juice or bread you have uh, uh, here in the building. We've got these little prepackaged little uh, doohickeys. Uh, I'm going to read this uh, quote uh, by Brian Zare that I love. It says, Jesus didn't die on the cross to change God's mind about us. God has always loved you. Jesus died on the cross to change our minds about God. He goes on. He said, it was humanity that cried, crucify him, crucify him. That we have all done things that have put Jesus on the cross. We have all done things that have hurt and angered and disappointed God. But when the world says crucify him, when we do the worst thing that we can imagine to God, when we say, when we blow up our family, when we uh, fall back into that addiction, when we do the worst thing possible, God still says, I would love to forgive you because I still love you. That is what God is like. God loves the world. Uh, so let's take communion today and remember that God who loves us enough that even if we were to put his son on the cross, and we did, that he still loves us. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you for the way in which you love us in a reckless, selfless, amazing way. That when you ha have reason to kick us out and not let us be your children anymore, you're doing whatever you can to let us know that we are still loved and to encourage us to follow you with our whole lives. Name we pray. Amen. Uh, in a few minutes, you're going to get a, uh, an email. It's called the Next Step Email. I encourage you to check that out. Uh, but there's two questions in particular I want you to uh, think about and talk about uh, this week. Uh, first question that I want you uh, to think about is uh, what, what lens do you see Jesus through? What is God like? Uh, do, do, do you see God as policeman God? Do you see God as bodyguard? Uh, pop a pill, uh, something else that, you know, an unrational God. Uh, what is God like? Uh, and, but who taught you that? Who told you that that was what God is like? You know, try to think about that. And second, is uh, your view of God doesn't look like Jesus? Because if the way in which you view God doesn't pair with your view of who Jesus was and what he did and how he lived in a sacrificial way, then your view of God is wrong and you need to review it.
And you need to believe in the good news of Christmas, that God is love, and we see that through Jesus. Uh, we love you. Uh, Zach, uh, why don't you come from behind the curtain here <laughs> and uh, close us out in service today. All right. Uh, thank you all again for joining us this morning. Uh, we have appreciated uh, all those that have attended, uh, that used the chat um, to connect. Um, we hopefully, you know, hope that this service was a time for you to be able to connect with others, connect with community, um, but ultimately connect with God. Um, two things in particular, as John mentioned, uh, the next steps email. If you're on the email list, you'll get that in about 1130. Um, if not, it's also attached to the Facebook group. Um, and so you'll be able to look at it there. Secondly is the connect card. I mentioned at the beginning of the service, but I would encourage you again, uh, fill that out. It will be an opportunity where you can list out prayer requests, um, things that we can do to help you. Um, and then lastly, uh, I think we want to remind you that a church is not a building. Um, it is a group of people. And so if there's anything you are in need of, uh, we encourage you to reach out. Um, that is why we are here um, and we want to be uh, of help. And so thank you again for joining us this morning, and we hope to see you next week.